Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is November 12, 2019. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're at page 67, the third paragraph. It starts, notice that the word fear, and we're going to read one paragraph. Today's readers are uh, the 12 Steps, Kathy G.S., the 12 Traditions, Wendy M. Uh, our readers of the big book are Ginger C. and uh, Barbara P. And uh, uh, that's all I know for certain right now. Um, the reference numbers for uh, yesterday, Monday, uh, uh, the 11th are one are 13,644 for the 7 a.m. and 13,646 for the uh, 10 a.m. meeting yesterday. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Kathy G.S. to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Craig. This is Kathy G.S., compulsive overeater, anorexic bulimic in Georgia. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be of service, and I pass. Okay, thank you for your service. Next, I'm going to ask Wendy M. to read the 12 traditions. Wendy? Good morning. I'm Wendy M., a recovered compulsive overeater in Raleigh, North Carolina. The 12 traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you for your service. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic um, topic and literature we are discussing, and you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 67, the third paragraph. It starts, notice that the word fear. Um, I'm now going to ask Ginger C. to begin reading. Ginger? Great. Thanks so much, Craig, for your service. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. So notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it, and it set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we did not deserve. But did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing, 
it seems to cause more trouble. Uh, fear, one of my favorite subjects. As a child, it was the only emotion pretty much that I knew because my mom had left when I was five and I just knew dad would be leaving any time. It was just a matter of days. And I just lived in this constant worry, this constant fear, this constant tension, this ball. And um, and that's where, you know, again, I think as much as the food almost killed me at that point in time in my life, it saved me. Because I couldn't, the, that intensity with that emotion, I needed that effect. And I found it. And I found safety in the food and a shield and comfort. But it is. It's this evil and corroding thread. And it we are just shot through with it, this panic, this worry. You know, and that was pretty much my life from childhood on. It was just this constant state of this tension. And I'd had no release from it. And it just permeated every pore in my being. And today to be free from fear is just unbelievable. To be reborn. Um. And it's not like fear doesn't come. Of course it comes. I'm a human being. But it doesn't grip me and it doesn't hold me and it doesn't consume me. I face everything and I recover. And I get back to the most important source. I just heard a speaker the other day and he said, you know, I had a good and bad day. And the bad of the day is that I forgot about God. And the good of the day was when I was close and connected, safe and protected. So that we get to do this. We are so privileged that when the fear comes, what am I doing? Where is God? Am I hitting my knees? Am I pausing and praying and resetting those those intentions? You know, and... A lot of us probably have fear because as much as some are excited and bouncing like Tigger to go to this convention, many others are really afraid and really scared, and we should be. I know isolation and separation, it's really easy to stay at home. It's one of my favorite places. Shut the door. I'm alone. And, of course, disease loves that because the more I get alone, the closer that bite gets back into my mouth. But to get on a plane and to travel, that's sort of difficult. But then to show up with 800 people, are you kidding me? But if I bring God first, I can do anything. And I just had this proven because the company that I work for just had the biggest event of the year yesterday. And we had been planning and preparing for 18 months. And because I did a 10-step and did some redirection, and then most importantly brought God into that event before ginger and self-will and how I'm so attached to that outcome, it better go well because it's all about me, don't you know, my third-step problem. Too much of ginger, it was all about God. And I had the most magical moment from the onset, and it didn't end to the last event. And it was a success because it was not about me. So thank Mm -hmm. God we get to do this. And I'm just so grateful to be doing it another day with you, with God, always leading the way. And I pass. Thank you, Ginger. Appreciate it. Okay. Now we're going to take shares from other people. Now, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, we ask you to 
to be bold here and come forward. But if you have, hang back and let, uh, let some Kate? other people have an opportunity. Katie Katie from Boston. Katie, Boston. I have Faye. I think I have Katie. Katie G. What was it? I'm sorry. Nancy Kim G. Kim G. I got Kim G. I got Faye, Katie, Charles, and Nancy. Let me say the list, please. Who? Cynthia C. Cynthia C. All right, I have Faye, Katie, Charles, Kim G, Cynthia, and then Ida. Who else? Penny? Nancy P. Nancy P. Did you get Nancy? Oh, Nancy P. Okay, I, I, I've got enough. Uh, I have K- Faye, Katie, Charles, Kim G, Cynthia, Ida, Ida and Nancy P. So, uh, Faye, it's your turn. Take us away, if there was a Faye indeed. Well, maybe there wasn't a Faye. Um, Katie G, will you go ahead and take us? Sure thing, Craig. Thanks for your service, Katie G. Recovered in Boston, you know, I heard a speaker say once, my fear-based life was the only normal one, right? Like Bill says, my alcoholic life. For me, my fear-based life was the only normal one. It it infused me. And today, I'm going to say something. Um, I don't believe that where there's fear, there is no faith. As a recovered woman today, I got to break the news to y'all. I have fear. But what's different? It doesn't run me. Evil and corroding thread. Fabric of my existence. Somebody's unmuted. Didn't I set the ball rolling? What does that mean? I'm afraid you're going to reject me, right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to look for evidence and find it that you're rejecting me. And what that, what is that going to lead to? A resentment. Fear is under any negative feeling, probably positive feeling, that I ever have. And it's not just that I'm a human being. All human beings have fear. But when I first did my inventory, I was devastated. Somebody's still unmuted. Love you. Please mute. Um, I was devastated because I saw that every single decision I made from my major in college, going to college, who I was friends with, not going to grad school because I'm an idiot, choosing to be a manager because I can't go to grad school and I'm going to be alone the rest of my life, I, I, I didn't know how to make a decision that wasn't fully funded by fear. So I didn't even try setting the ball rolling. I rejected you setting the ball rolling. You're going to abandon me, so I'm going to hold you hostage. Stay away from me, right? So fear today, thank you, God, does not run me. And when it comes on, because guess what? It does. I don't yell at myself for having fear. I say, okay, how am I trying to control this fear, right? Because fear, because control is what I want to do. So I'm irritable. I'm blaming my husband. I'm blaming people who call me. I'm afraid, and it's a lot easier and sexier to be angry. What's scary is to ask, what's really going on, Katie? And somebody's still unmuted. What's really going on? 
I'm afraid, God. Show me. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And the most amazing thing about fear is when I'm in the present moment, which is may you find him now, right, God? God is in the present moment. There's nothing to be afraid of. If I want to feel fear, and I can, all I have to do is think about tomorrow. And I'll just wrap up with this. Have you ever noticed you've never checked your, your future and seen like a beautiful landscape? When I'm thinking about the future, it's tragedy. And thank you, God, I can live in the now, right? I give my hand to God. I ask God to unblock me from all the negativity, give my hand to God, and I show up for others. And that is a miracle. Get right in with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, uh, Katie. Now we're going to have Charles H., followed by Kim G., followed by Cynthia, Ida, Nancy, and Kathy K. Charles? Thank you, sir, for your uh, your service. Charles H., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, frustration, ego, anxiety, and resentment. Um, fear, it, it, it's underneath everything. It steals a lot. It freezes people. You know, Really, really, some of the popular, quote-unquote, popular people you hear on the line, they're shy. You wait till Friday comes. And I want to break that because there's no special room here. Um, this is an open book test. You want to learn more? Just keep studying. Um, there's some work. You know, it says notice the word fear is bracketed alongside all of them. You know what else I noticed that's bracketed alongside? Well, it's not bracketed, but it's right next to it. Self-esteem. And, you know, this text is taking, taking me to look back on the illustration on page 65. Um, you know, threatened, burnt up. All those emotions are fear. It's fear-based. Um, you know, oh, I'm stressed. Well, stress spelled backwards is dessert. So if you're trying to connect the dots, to um, human emotion, it goes right back to it. Um, you know, the convention is going to be, the speakers are going to be dope, but they're going to be on MP3. The takeaway is the conversations that we, we're going to have at least four or five opportunities to dine with, 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 with people we never met. We're going to have opportunities to, you know, flick it up, take pictures, you know, talk to each other. I want to find out your favorite baseball team, basketball team. What, 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 what sports your kids are in, things that we're not going to hear on a recorded meeting. That's why the 8 a.m. meeting is so dope, because people get real, because it's not recorded. You know, so fear of rejection, we're not going to reject you, because you're, you're me and I'm you. There's no, there's, no, there's no fear, you know. You broke through some of the fear by, by signing up for this beautiful convention that's going to change your life. And, yes, you may be alone, in your mind, isolation, I think Ginger did a, a great job in describing that. That's fear-based. You know, um, break the isolation. You already broke it by, by, by committing to come. So let us love you, and you can love us too because you got some stuff. You can could, you could join us on this broad highway. This convention is all about page 164. So with that, I pass. Okay, thanks, Charles. Okay, we've got Kim G., uh, followed by uh, Cynthia, Ida, Nancy, and Kathy. Kim? 
Thanks, Craig. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim Jay, and I've been recovered since January 2011. And it sounded like there was a lot of fear going on about not being heard this morning. I know I felt that. Um, so I love this line. The short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. And, and I just want to say, I just love the brilliance and the simplicity of the big book's four-step method. So what my personal experience was, first, we look at the resentment. And what I find is my resentments are covering my anger. And then in that sick man's prayer, we have the prayer, God save me from being angry. And as I'm addressing that, what I'm finding is that my anger is covering my fear. Isn't that what we learned in step three? That I'm driven, driven by a hundred forms of fear. Now, I might put fancy names on it, like abandonment issues and inferiority complex, passive aggressive, people pleaser, but it all comes down to fear. So I think it's all set up, in my experience, is this, oh, my whole life has been about getting my way. I need to get my way. And when I'm not getting my way in the past, it becomes a resentment. When I'm not going to get my way in the future, it becomes a fear. And when I'm not getting my way in the present, I get angry. So I am so grateful for this simple process that was in the big book that unravels my resentment, my anger, my fear, and helps me connect with a higher power and the people around me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, next we have, I dropped my page, uh, Cynthia. Cynthia C., I believe. Cynthia? Hi. Thank you so much for your service today, and thank you for everybody for making this meeting happen today and, and every day. I'm extremely, extremely grateful. This is Cynthia C., compulsive overeater from the Boston area, um, and I am currently in Washington, D.C., um, I am on a three-week work trip, um, and that in itself is just amazing and a gift. Um, I lived my whole life, just as I think everybody else on this line, I lived my whole life in fear. I was brought up in a, in a neglectful, extremely abusive home with people who were extremely mentally ill, and um, my whole life was based on being afraid. I, I was afraid nobody would like me. I was afraid I'd be left out. I was, uh, I was afraid of everything. It's why, it's why I binged. It's why I ate. It's why I drank. It's why I took drugs. Was I going to be accepted? Was I not going to be accepted? Were people going to like me? Were people not going to like me? And I have to just also acknowledge that a lot of the fears and a lot of the lies in my head weren't even mine. Um, you know, they were lies and fears um, projected onto me from my parents who, you know, who were brought up in themselves in, in you know, somewhat abusive homes. Um, and it is only, only, only through working the steps that I have learned to slowly let go of my fear, but it's work that I need to do on a daily basis. You know, I was afraid to admit powerlessness, but I went to meetings and I got onto this phone line and I heard how it worked for other people. You know, I was afraid to, to, to want to have God in my life, but I, I was on the meetings and I heard and I read the big book and I worked with my sponsor and I re, you know, and I opened myself up to rethinking what is, who is God in my life? Maybe I could let go of this old concept of a higher power. I was afraid to, 
to turn my will and my life over to the fear of God. And all of these things, working the steps, I was afraid of doing the fourth step. I was afraid of giving it over in my fifth step. But as I took each of these steps, as I read the big book, as I made outreach calls, as I connected in with other people, you know, as I prayed every day, today I have noticed that on the times when I, I'm not spending time in prayer and meditation every day, I'm not doing my 12-step prayers and my own religious prayers when I'm not doing, you know, my 15 to 20 minutes of meditation each day, I fall back into fear right away. Um, in my business trip, there's a terrible tragedy that happened, um, you know, in a, there's a, a tragedy that happened in the hospital that affects my work. And, um, and I was full of fear until I remembered, oh, I have step work to do. You know, I can sit and I can meditate and I can pray and I can get guidance. And I, you know, went into my next meeting, um, being able to address the issue in a fully appropriate way and to know that my higher power is guiding me every day, but, but it's my higher power is not going to guide me if I don't stop and pause and breathe and listen, you know, and I get to listen by being quiet. I get to listen by getting on meetings. I get to listen by reading the big book, by working my steps every day. I, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I'm not an island. Um, if I'm on my own, you know, my best will, my best fear gets me to um, live in a state of paralysis and binging and eating and I drink a lot and, you know, I don't have to do that today. I came here because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of, of, of living in fear and I'm just so incredibly grateful that, you know, you all and OA um, and the big book and all of this has completely brought me a new way to live life and I'm traveling on this trip and I actually started a new food plan in June and it has just brought me gift after gift after gift to to have this whole trip be so much easier than I thought it ever could have been and that I'm not I'm not paralyzed by fear today so thank you all and I look forward to seeing people on this weekend thank you so all right thank you Cynthia next okay thanks next I think we have Ida uh, good morning everybody thank you Craig and you will be missed. Um, anyway, thank you all for being here. Ida, grateful compulsive overeater in Northern British Columbia. And I did not know how fear-based I was. I mean, I could have told you if somebody asked, yeah, you know, life was pretty chaotic as a kid. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to have a mom who has psychosis. It's not easy to have those rages and and it was a birthplace of my panic attacks, but that's the furthest I got, and I didn't tell many people. And so the first 18 years, I, I kind of built my life on this false foundation that all of you were people I could not trust. And if I played God long enough, I would keep you away and I could protect myself. But what program has taught me is is learning how to take responsibility, and that has been transformative. But I had, I had to do these inventories, and I didn't know that fear touched on every aspect of my life, every aspect. So when I circled those words, evil, corroding thread, man, that is true. Fear did set in motion circumstances, and I felt sorry for myself, and I felt like if I rallied all of you, you should feel sorry for me. 
and and I just I did that thing that kids do, you know, kids are keen observers, but really poor interpreters. And so my foundation was skewed. I lied. I didn't know I was such a liar. I, you know, I didn't even know what I didn't know. And fear, yes, it is. Someplace in the big book or the 12 and 12, it talks about fear being soul sickness. I really agree with that. My fear was self-centered. And it did activate all of these defects. But I have this beautiful big book in all of you and this roadmap to recovery. And first, after I put down the food, you tell me i got to quit playing God too. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? God's in charge? Oh, my gosh. Okay. And then they give me that beautiful promise someplace, 62, 63, talking about, okay, I, I quit playing God. And then, and then I decide... Um, we all decide God's in charge, and then God is all powerful, loving, kind, but powerful, and God will, God will provide everything I need. And as God flows through my life, I have peace of mind. I have never had peace of mind. I've got a crazy mind. You have no idea what's in my mind. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, you do. You are me. <laughs> anyway, so peace of mind. And then I lose fear of today, tomorrow, and hereafter. I have never lived without fear until I entered this program. And any of you out there, it is transformative. But please get a sponsor. It is super confusing without a sponsor. And my mind led me in the wrong direction because I have a diseased way of seeing the world. And today, I don't need to do that if I show up and I work the steps and I listen to all of you. And you help me get back on the beam. So God willing, I'll, I'll be in New York, New York, New York, and, I, and I'll get to meet many of you that I just hear on the line. Bless you all for being here. Have a great day. I pass. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, the next we have Nancy P. followed by Kathy K. Nancy? Hi, Craig. Good morning. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah, fear. Everybody's talking about it so well they're they're describing my um my acquaintance with it so well and um you know i what i can say is of course i was driven by fear all growing up and well into my marriage and uh, in fact until i recovered basically i was driven by fear and i i didn't know why i just couldn't shake it i'd call um I'd call someone in OA and I'd be crying and I'd be, and she'd say, what's the matter? And I'd say, I'm afraid. And, and, and that's what I would say. I wouldn't say I'm afraid about this or I'm afraid about that. I would just be afraid. And she'd say, what are you afraid about? And, and, and I would have to pick it apart and say, well, I'm afraid that, you know, I don't know. I'm afraid that I'm not going to get what I want or I'm not going to, you know, what it says that we're going to get what we're afraid of. I would have to say those things. Or when I was first married, I'd be in bed at night sobbing, and my husband would say, what's the matter? And he'd hold me, and I'd say, I'm afraid. And he'd say, I'll take care of you. And, you know, and, and, and so I would be a little less afraid. But I, I never could, um, I never could, I was owned by it. It just owned me. And um, I, you know, I, I had been in this program for so long, for almost five decades, when I came into vision. And, um you know, I didn't think it was going to work. You know, I didn't. And, um, you know, I've said it on the line before. I, I confessed my horrible secret to my sponsor that I didn't think it was going to work. And she said, why not? And I said, because I'm not sure I believe in God. And um, she blew it off and said, well, you haven't had a spiritual awakening yet, so don't worry about it. And that was 
a throwaway comment of hers, but for me, it was a tectonic shift. And um, so I, I didn't immediately outgrow fear. I didn't immediately leave it behind. What I did was I slogged through and did what she said and wrote my fourth step and sobbed, you know, for a good part of it. And, um, and, and I still was afraid. You know, even after that, I was afraid. I, I continued to be afraid until I completed my ninth step. And then suddenly, it all came together. And, um, you know, today, I do have instances where I'm afraid, you know. I got a job, and then they eliminated the position, and I lost the job. So I'm unemployed again. And I am not afraid. I am just not. I'm, you know, my kids are in a, in a relatively... <clears throat> excuse me, good place, but, you know, there's always room for worry, and I am not worried. I'm I'm safe and protected. It doesn't own me anymore. It doesn't own me, and it used to own me. I was like, it was like I was, it was like fear was a loan shark, and I couldn't, I owed money, and I couldn't get away from it, and no matter where I was, there I was saying, you owe me money, and, um, and today I am, I am, not afraid. I, I just, it's silent. That fear was part of that. I'm just over here in case you want to visit me. No one's, I'm not bothering anybody. But if you want to come visit, I'm right over here. That fear was a part of that disease. And that today is, is it's silent. And, um, you know, when I go through these things, when I get angry, um, which I don't do nearly as much, but when I do, I stop. I shut my mouth as my sponsor has told me to do. You need to shut the F up. That's what she told me. And so that's what I do. And, I, and I'm quiet and I'm still. And, um, and I am not plagued by fear, plagued by it. I am not unaffected, but I have tools to get past it. And today, you know, I'm still not sure I believe in God. So I don't really call it that. Everybody who knows me knows I don't even like that word. But I'm not owned by it. And I... And I um, I am. I spend a lot of time in service of my recovery, and that I find um, helps me to get through whatever life dishes out to me. And I'm going to the um, convention, and I have to say, um, I'm greeting. And if ever there was an afraid kind of thing to do for me, it would be that. And I'm doing it for three hours. So everybody, come and say hi to me, and be nice to me, and tell me what a good job I'm doing, um, because I'm really kind of, you know, like a little tiny bit afraid. And I'm really looking forward to it because I'm going all by myself. General I couldn't reminder. find a buddy to fly. Yeah, I couldn't find a buddy to fly with me, so I'm doing it myself. How about that? So I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. And with that, I'll pass. All right. Thanks, Nancy. All right. Kathy Kay. Thank you, Craig, for your service. This is Kathy mm-hmm. Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. And, um, oh, I've really valued all the shares today. It helps me to see that for me, uh, reckoning with my fear-based life has been a process, uh, a stage process where for the first 30 years of my life, I did not even know I was afraid because I was numbing myself with food every step of the way and other kinds of addictions. When I got to program and started working the steps, I began to see all the different forms of fear um, that drove my behavior. Um, I was shocked because I had no awareness that this is what drove me every step of the way. Um, And then there was a period where I could identify my fears um, 
And I knew uh, the prayers I was to say in order to um, invite God to remove them and to direct me to what I should be. But I didn't have the willingness to surrender because I was agnostic. And I didn't believe that I could surrender. I thought if I didn't handle the fear and take some action, um, nothing would prevent me from being hurt in some fundamental way. So for me, this last phase I'm in now is deepening my surrender um, and really uh, being able to first notice my fear and then um, there's a next step in it for me, which is, um, is this entirely irrational or is there really something to be afraid of? When I was traveling recently, uh, I fell down on my nose uh, and was pretty badly bruised. Um, and there was a reason to be fearful at that very moment. Um, I could have really broken my nose more than I did and been a lot more hurt by the experience. So, of course, I had fear. But that kind of fear is real, and I still need to go to God, and I still need to come into the present moment. And I was able to connect with my higher power and ask my higher power to help me stay in the present moment and to surrender to the forces around me that ran to my assistance. Um, so there is irrational fear and there's rational fear. And in both cases, I need to surrender and ask the question, what would God have me be at this very moment? Um, and the more I do that, the more I'm able to live in the present moment and to have hope and faith that all will be well. This is most transformative. I'm so grateful to be at this point in my recovery. Thanks for letting me share. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, we're going to take another list of names. So if you haven't shared Should in the last are? couple of days, uh, I got some Can you see? Marge E. All right. I did, I, I don't, hold on. Out of all that, I got Larry and Ruth. I think. Okay. Okay. Yes, thank you. Barbara Lynn S. Yeah. Marge. Lynn. Marge. Roz C. Step Melissa C. Marge E. Uh, I got Marge E. All right. Barbara E. Anita. I have, I have you, Barbara. I think thank I have you. enough. I have Julie R. I have Julia R, Larry K, Lynn S, Marge E, Roz G, Vanita, and Barbara. And somebody's unmuted. Okay, let's go. Julie, your turn. Hello, Julie? Here I am, sorry. Um, Julie R, Recovered oh, okay. Compulsive Overeater. Um, you know, fear is, is a natural thing that, that we have to help us uh, make decisions. You know, everybody has fear, but 
the kind of fear that I had that lived here, that it was an evil and corroding thread, I used to have fear that would paralyze me. Um, I was raised with, you know, make sure you lock the doors because somebody's going to come and kill you. And, and we would lock our doors so our father couldn't make it into our room. So I had fear that was huge, and it carried through my life. My first night when I moved out of my house, I binged and purged looking out the window thinking somebody was going to kill me. That was my first night of freedom when I was 18. So that is not a normal fear that somebody would have to help them make a conscious decision to stay, to leave, to whatever. So fear has just robbed me of years and years and years of my life. And to the point where um, I turn into an angry woman or I turn into manipulated to manipulate you with fear. And it's like, what happens when we work these steps in order with complete abstinence? Fear gets right-sized. Am I ever going to have not? I mean, I'm always going to have some level of fear when my kids go somewhere and I'm worried about them at a three-day concert or my son, you know, when he goes to work and he, you know, could find a robber or whatever. Of course, I'm going to have some fear if I, I don't hear from them. But the difference is, is me waiting by the phone, checking my phone constantly, um, calling people. Have you seen Connor? You know, is, is, where is he? I don't do that anymore because I have a God that is bigger than that. That I want to say fake fear because it, it I make it bigger and bigger and it grows and it grows and it just robbed me of my essence. Um, and so God is so good. It's like I have a, a five-day audit starting Monday at 8 a.m. And I fly back from the convention at 10 o'clock Sunday night. I would have never have done that before because I, I've been at this company for like 40 years. Audits make or break you, right? And it's a five-day, two-man audit. And I'm just doing the best I can. Today is my last day to prepare. And I give it to God. That's not how I operated 40 of the 60 years of my life. But that's how I operate today because my God is bigger than the fear. And I am doing registration from 3 to 6, so I hope I see everybody. And with that, I pass. Okay. I had trouble on meeting. Thanks. That's uh, appreciate it. Next up, we have Larry Kay. Larry? Hey, Craig. Thanks so much for your service. Um, this is Larry Kay recovered this morning. You know, when, when fear is appropriate, um, it's, a, it's a very valuable thing. We've heard that. Um, you know, when, when I was in a car accident when I was um, 19, uh, fear was the appropriate emotion to feel because it, it allowed me to, to gear up for the, the, the appropriate action that was necessary at that time. It was very valuable. It is an evolutionary thing. It's for our survival. God gave it to us, I believe, in the same way that God gave us the, um, the instinct to eat. It's an early warning signal of danger, and it could be, you know, for possible threats. But fear is one of those basic emotions that's become so pervasive for people, it's almost like breathing for them. And that pervasive fear is not, is no longer a functional fear. If there is a God, the God of your understanding does not want you to be walking around with a pervasive 
feeling of irrational fears. Why would that be? Because how in the world could you be of maximum service to God and to those about you? How could you be of service to people about you when you are tethered to irrational fears one after another? I used to fear when my daughter was little and I was married. And every time I share this story, and every time uh, I would drop them off at the airport if they were going to travel, I thought, I swear, I thought that's the last, as they walk away, that's the last time I will see them. That plane is going down. And that is an irrational fear. And it's fears like that that we carry around. See, today, by the grace of God and these steps, I place my trust in infinite God rather than my finite self. And somehow through this process, those irrational fears dissipate. I still have that instinct for fear. It's necessary and it's good. I just don't carry around those fears when my daughter leaves today, not just because she's a young adult. I don't have those irrational fears. I can't tell you the day that that happened. I don't have the fears of rejection. I don't have the fears that I'm not going to please someone. One of the biggest fears for people is is that they, their very presence is going to challenge our basic identity, our ba- basic belief structure, and we grow fearful. It's the subtleties of those that we reject them and we attack them. I don't have those fears. By the grace of God on these steps, I don't have those fears. That's why we have to address fears, so we can be of service and self-sacrifice, service to God and self-sacrifice for our fellows. With that, I pass. Thanks, Greg. Okay, thanks, Larry. Next, we have Lynn S. Lynn? Good morning. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Just when I, we were reading this, it just reminded me of how paralyzed I was always by fear. And two examples came up and work-related. I would get paged by my boss and I would just, my whole body seized up. Oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. What have I done? What have I done? What have I done? What does she want? Oh, no, oh, no. And it just went through me like that. And I can remember sitting down. My boss had paged me and said, I want to talk to you tomorrow. And I just, I thought I was going to die. And I remember sitting at my table and uh, phoning a friend in program and reading the fear page while I waited. And he said, I'll come and take you to a meeting. And he did. But, you know, I'd be reading the fear paragraph and I'd just get over that and i think, okay, now I can breathe. And then I went, then I'd think about it again and go, no, I can't. No, I can't. And I remember him taking me to the meeting. And it was so amazing to be in a meeting with other strong people in recovery and hear about it and hear about recovery, and hear about living not in fear, or living with the fear, but you know, managing to, to make it through the night and get to work in the next morning. And a second example was my boss saying to me, Lynn, when was the last time we took somebody around the back of the building and shot them? And I looked at him so startled, thinking, what is he talking about? And he says, that's how you look at me when I'm trying to talk to you about something. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I knew I was terrified, but I didn't know it showed so much. But how could it not when every fiber of my being 
was filled with fear. Every cell, every tissue, every organ. Being in program, I didn't work at fear. I didn't go for fear counseling. Not that there's anything wrong with outside sources, but I didn't work at my fear. But what I did do was I worked the program of recovery the way it's outlined in the first 164 pages, which allowed God to remove what was blocking me from him. And it says how our life falls together, sort of, when we get closer to God. Like, the main thing is get your relationship with God and everything else falls into place. And I'd just like to wrap up with the gentleman who took me to that meeting back in 1989 to help me with the fear. He died of our disease after becoming blind and having his leg amputated. I am so blessed to have been given this recovery that is handed out to everybody. All we have to do is do it. And with that, I pass. All right. Thank you, Lynn. Okay. We're not going to have time to get through everybody, so if if you can cut it short, Marge, Roz, Vanita, and Barbara are left. And we have about six minutes. Marge? Thank you, Craig. Um, Margie from Massachusetts. Um, I'll make this brief. I don't really share very much on the line, but I really felt necessary. I do relate to everything that everyone has said. I was so fear-based. And I'd like to, the comparison now is when I feel a fear coming on, I take a quiet moment and I say, God, you've, bring me, you've brought me through so much. I trust you. And I know everything will work out and it dissipates because I do have that strong belief in this wonderful God. Um, But, you know, when I was um, thinking about this, I remembered, and I'm sure people will relate, that when I, August, when everybody was, when I was a child, when everyone was out having fun, I was worried, am I going to be the fattest kid in my class? And it consumed me. It really consumed me. And I only wish I had, you know, this belief now, then. But, you know, we had it. This is the road we have to travel. And um, I, too, as soon as um, the uh, registration came out and said volunteer, no fear. Checked it right off. Didn't care. I'd volunteer. And I, too, am a greeter from five to seven. Love to meet everybody. Um, this program is just such a miracle. I am so grateful. And yes, there are healthy fears. But, you know, with the help of this program and my recovery and God, I can get through anything. Because I know I've been through a lot and I have trust that I will be just fine. Thank you, Craig, and I wish you well. All right, thank you. Okay, Ross, gee, you're up. Hi, Craig. I'll make it fast. I just want to say that um, how it says about fear with class with stealing, you know, I've heard all kinds of interpretations of that, but mine is that fear stole from my dreams. I had dreams of doing things, but because I didn't think I was enough, I didn't do them. And two big fears in my life were my, my marriage. I got married because I didn't think anybody else would love me. And I didn't marry because I was, we were, you know, compa- we were uh, because of companionship or because of having things in common, because of shared values or passions. I married because I didn't think anybody else was going to love me. And that marriage turned out to, to be a divorce 
although I did gain three amazing children, so I don't regret that. And then uh, I, I used credit cards because I didn't think that I would be able to afford things or save up for things. And so what did that get me into a lot of debt? And also, I'm afraid of the weather in New Jersey. It was 83 degrees here yesterday, and I don't know what to bring. <laughs> I'm afraid of the weather. <laughs> so anyway, I'll make that. I, that's, I'm going to cut it there. Thank you. I pass. All right. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, Ross. Vanita, you're up. Vanita? Vanita from Atlanta. Um, thank you, everybody, for being there. Vision for you is only a few months um, in my experience, and I've been in OA for five years, and I'm super grateful for Vision for You because it's just so um, life-affirming. And even though I'd read the big book a bunch of times, like learning, um, especially getting inspired when I heard Laurie talk in Memphis at the convention. I went to the convention because I wanted to participate in the business stuff, but I wound up, I was guided to stick and listen to Laurie. And um, I had a roommate and I sat down that weekend and did a fear inventory because there's a lot of changes in my life and the fears were just piling up and I'm just, I'm really having to own how much fear I can have and um, it's very freeing and I super appreciate you all. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks, Vanita. Barb, you got some time, uh, about a minute and a half. Barbara E. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I didn't know there'd be time for me. Well, I just want to say that I spent my whole life really in fear my father died when I was a child. I was afraid that it was somehow my fault. I was afraid my mother would die and I'd be left all alone. I was afraid I wasn't smart enough in school. I was afraid to lift up my legs and ride a two-wheel bicycle or dive into a swimming pool. My whole life was governed by fear. I got married because I was afraid if I didn't get married to this man who turned out to be perfect for me, no one would want to marry me. But things have changed over the course of time. And this program, fear is not the major factor in my life. My husband and my son are fearful of what the future is going to bring for us. And I'm not. And the doctor said, it's amazing how calm you are. And I said, well, I have a new director. I have faith. I have faith in you. And I have faith in everything that will turn out as it should be. And I'm so excited for everyone who is jumping with joy to go to the big book convention. It was absolutely super califragilistic expialidocious in 2017 and if there's a better word than that there's that's going to be this one too so i can't wait to hear all all about it thank you very much i pass all right thank you barbara thanks everybody who shared and served today um the uh, uh 
ID for today's meeting, the share ID is 13,650. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Um, and I forgot to say the date when I said the share ID. Today's date's November 12, 2019, and that was 13650. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Um, Will, let's see, uh, Barbara P., please read uh, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Good morning. This is Barbara P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 